Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast and become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows featuring guests sharing stories about growing up in a haunted house that was possessed by an evil presence, a nightmarish encounter with a UFO in the dead of night, and the financial horror stories from those who won the lottery and lived to regret it. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to hear these programs and many more truly thought-provoking shows from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Let me tell you about our guest, Matthew Landman. Worked in finance and studied film at California State University of Humboldt, earning a master's degree in business administration with a focus in strategic sustainability Now, after various careers in business and finance, he just left and became an organic farmer where he unknowingly had actually began his career as an activist. Working outdoors and dependent upon the elements, Matt witnessed weather engineering in Northern California as the region suffered from a historic and catastrophic drought. Matthew now back with us on Coast to Coast. His film is called Franken Skies. Matthew, welcome to the program. Thank you, George. I really appreciate you having me. What an amazing turnabout in your career. You go from finance and studying film to an organic farmer. How did you make that transition? Well, um, I <laughs> like to explain to people that I've walked a lot of different walks of life. I'm kind of just the normal, average Joe. Um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. area, and after um, moving to California to try to get into the film industry, I ended up in Northern California. And I had worked in mortgages, I had worked in real estate, I would worked in the restaurant industry. And here I was working as a finance analyst in rural Northern California, and I had this opportunity to finally get out of the cubicle, out of my office, and get grounded. So I took that opportunity, and I went out and worked on this potato and squash farm, an organic squash and potato farm. And for the first time, I learned that potatoes grew potatoes. And then I realized that I had just wasted a lot of time and, and energy through the formal education process, and there was a lot that I didn't know. And you seem like you enjoyed this trip. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's life, learning and adjusting and growing. I didn't know potatoes grew potatoes, either. So the potatoes grow out of potatoes. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. I always thought a potato was one thing. It had buds, but uh, you just got, you planted one, you got one. Yeah, well, you put a potato in the ground, and it, grew, it develops a root system, and the root system is more potatoes. How about and that? And the plant above the ground is just a, a green, poisonous plant, basically. Was it satisfying for you, that kind of work? Oh, yeah. I learned so much. I learned about pollination and, and um, how plants need nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium to grow, and just about all the elements and the, you know, the cycles of everything. And, and li- like you said, and thank you for the introduction, I witnessed weather engineering. I never thought it could be anything, but I had to witness it firsthand and see it for myself. And what I witnessed was on a day where we were supposed to get this rainstorm. So let me just dig in really quick. In the Pacific Northwest, there's this seasonal storm that comes. The 2,000-year-old redwood trees are used to it, and people that have lived in that climate, they know that from about San Francisco all the way north to Seattle, even into Canada, they get a seasonal rainforest wet season. It starts around October, and it goes for about five months every single year. Well, with the manipulation off the coast, with this atmospheric high-pressure bubble that's been created with these ionospheric heaters and all this jet stream steering, the entire system has been manipulated. But what I witnessed 
was this huge storm was coming in, and we were in the midst of a catastrophic drought, like you mentioned. And um, what happened was I was out there in my rain boots expecting it to rain, and these dark clouds come rolling off the ocean. And being a statistics uh, major and being um, – I've grown up working in the stock market, and I know a statistical anomaly when I see them. And what I witnessed was a statistically significant uptick in air traffic. And not just air traffic on the edge of the storm, but these planes were leaving those persistent linear cirrus cloud formations. And then the storm came, and it left, and it didn't drop any rain. And so I planted that in my brain, and then later on, a couple weeks later, someone mentioned chemtrails to me, and I started doing this research, and I realized not only did no one know about it, but... There was no information anywhere out there for the common folks, so I tried to make a movie to be palpable for the common man. Is that what woke you up to geoengineering? Exactly. Working out on that farm and witnessing it myself and seeing drought causation, purposeful drought causation. What do you think the purpose is to manipulate the weather? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot behind that. The purpose is control, you know, if you really want to get deep into it. But like as, I, as my evolution as an activist unfolded, I thought I would be making a movie. The, the film that I made, Franken-Skies, which you can find online on YouTube for free, or frankenskiesthemovie.com, it lives there. I thought I was making a film to tell people that this weather engineering existed. But then as the film evolved, the media ended up launching geoengineering as a solution to global warming showing us that they were going to be spraying the skies for our own benefit. So then the movie evolved into a film showing the normalization of geoengineering, showing the official narrative being pushed that they want to block out our sky to save us from global warming. Who do you think is behind this, Matthew? Well, it's the Royal Society. It's this primary, primary solar geoengineer by the name of David W. Keith, and he gets his funding from Bill Gates, this Public is donation. he the climate engineer? Um, well, is, he's a is that the solar geoengineer. There's a lot of there's a lot of details in the terminology here. You know, we're over here for decades bickering over whether we should use the word chemtrails, contrails, or geoengineering. And all the while, we've got the solar radiation management program, the stratospheric aerosol injections program, the tropospheric aerosol program through the Department of Energy, SPICE, the stratospheric particulate injection for climate engineering program, and then even out of NASA, CARE, C-A-R-E, the Charged Aerosol Release Experiment, all doing the same thing. Now, on the face of it, on the face of it, does geoengineering sound like it's for the betterment of mankind? Well, that's the story they're trying to tell, but if you're going to talk about the betterment of mankind, you have to talk about this problem-reaction-solution agenda that we found ourselves in, and the problem being um, global warming or climate change. You can't have that conversation if you're not going to talk about weather engineering and, and if you're not going to talk about atmospheric heaters and ionospheric heaters and steering jet streams and all these other things that go into it. The fallacy that carbon is heating the planet is the biggest, um, crime against humanity that I've that I can ever see. I want to jump ahead for a little bit here, Matthew. You talk about an experiment happening in Tucson, Arizona this year. Tell me about this. Okay, gladly. Well, I was living in Canada, in Vancouver, and once I found out about this experiment, I moved my family to Arizona 
to spearhead the opposition to this experiment. Really? Okay. Okay, and so I'm hosting a conference called the um, uh, Summit to Stop Geoengineering. I'm hosting it May 12th in Tucson, Arizona. You can learn more at StopGeoengineeringTucson.com, and there you can see my crowdfund and everything, StopGeoengineeringTucson.com. So what's happening is David W. Keith, he's the primary solar geoengineer, and he's the puppet. He's the front man for all of this, quote-unquote, research for geoengineering. He's out of Harvard, and he has the patents through this Royal Society. And he's got great credentials, doesn't he? he's got these credentials because he's a Harvard professor. But his, his experiment in Tucson this year is the normalization publicly, globally, of geoengineering. Explain it's, that. Okay, so, so we've been witnessing for about two decades these persistent linear cirrus cloud formations out of the back of jets, and we're wondering what's going on. Okay, well, evidently a lot of that's been field research, all of this field research to get us up to where we are now, where this launch of this experiment is occurring. So David W. Keith is going to go up in a balloon. They have a high-tech balloon that he's going to go up in with his research team and spray different chemicals in front of the sun to see which chemicals work best to dim sunlight. Interesting. They, they want to mimic a volcanic eruption. So in 1991, Mount Pinatubo erupted in the Philippines, and so much sulfuric dust got in the atmosphere that the global mean temperature supposedly dropped globally one degree Celsius. So they want to mimic a volcanic eruption by launching full-scale deployment of geoengineering in order to spray the skies with some sort of chemical to dim the sunlight on planet Earth to slow down the supposed heating of planet Earth. And they're going to do this with a balloon as opposed to a jet? So they're, exactly. So they're going to first, because if they did it with a jet, then we'd be curious as to what all the lines And we, we'd all see it and everything else. That. So they're going to go up in this high-tech balloon, release their payload on the outskirts of Tucson, and they're going to try sulfur, they're going to try... Um, table salt, they claim. They're going to try different variations of nanoparticulate aluminum, which just happens to be showing up in all the rainwater and the patents and all that stuff. We can go into that for a while. And they're going to try diamond dust. But all of it is just this facade. You know, they just want to walk the public through it and spoon-feed them this agenda to make people feel like they're consenting to something that's already been planned for decades. So they're not hiding this. Well, no, they're... They're not, they're not hiding the experiment. They may be hiding the, how they're doing it and the results. Correct. They're not hiding the experiment, and it's claimed to be happening in Tucson this year. No date has been provided. But if they are successful in their experiment, then the goal is to launch full-scale deployment. Okay, there is a geoengineering governance regime in place, a self-proclaimed regime. It was set up last May in Chicago, and they, quote, have exclusive rights to saving the planet through geoengineering. They say they have the technology to do so, so they have to act now and save the planet and not take into consideration public consent or any of this other stuff. They just say that they have to launch full-scale deployment within the next couple years to remove the blue skies from everyone's life forever. And this, I know it sounds like a science fiction novel, but this is actually the narrative that's being pushed by government bodies and by this very small group of scientists that claim that they need to whiten our skies to dim the sunlight to save us from ourselves. 
Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.